Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. So we're in the last hour. This is 4th of July weekend. I will be back on Monday, a special show from 5 to 7 on Monday, which is the 4th of July. And I will tell you what I think about uh, a libertarian perspective on the founders and what I think they would think about this country today. A lot of people I've heard on the radio conservatives, oh, they would love it. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so rich. It's so uh, fast. But I think they wouldn't be fooled for a second that uh, stealing half our money and using it to kill people. I don't know if that's really what they had in mind, but I'll save the analysis for Monday. But I want I stirred up a controversy earlier, uh, not unusual, but uh, I stirred up a controversy because I am a libertarian, hardcore libertarian. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't believe the modern state is legitimate government. I think it is a, it does the opposite of what it says it does. It's a pathocracy. And I was trying to explain how there are examples where libertarian principles, the founding principles of this country, in my opinion, are used to promote policies that have intended consequences, undisclosed but not unintended consequences and i just caution libertarians to be aware of that that's all they come out on whatever side you want but here's an example shelly before the break called great call a lot of ideas there i hope you call back shelly one at a time give me your ideas and we can suss them all out but really great ideas one of her comments was about uh how language is crafted by the media what impact that has i've got a call um, David, just hang on a minute. I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about that. And anybody who wants to talk about that or any of the subjects we've come up with, give me a call four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. But Shelley also pointed out something about the drug war. She said so much. This stuff would go away. I mean, inner city crime would go away. The the ten thousand a year deaths in Mexico, which by the way has a total gun ban. Those deaths are drug war deaths. That would go away. So much would go away if you legalize drugs. And I absolutely, I, I don't even want to call it legalized drugs. Just don't put people in jail for doing what they want with their own stuff. Don't put people in jail for making arm's length transactions for economic, you know, economic transactions. Somebody wants to buy a beer, don't put anybody in jail. Somebody wants to buy a joint, don't put anybody in jail. Even if you want to buy heroin, 
that's your prerogative. My, I've had numerous deaths from uh, drug abuse in my family, all of which happened under this prohibition state. So I don't know, but it doesn't even matter. I don't think you have a right to tell, to go to people and put them in jail for doing those things. But listen to this. Oh, and uh, Brad tweeted, if opiates were legalized, a bunch of the money for terrorism would dry up. And I've been talking about that for years. I thought, why are they, most of the drug trade is pot. So why is there this movement, which I saw a mile away as being okayed by the power elite, to legalize pot? There was always a grassroots movement. That was a good one. I hate puns, but that was too easy. There's a grassroots movement to legalize pot since 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 it was illegal, since it was criminalized in the first place. So what changed now? So I dug in a little bit. And I thought, well, first of all, since drug money, illegal drugs and stuff is like the cur- kind of currency for black ops, you know, think of Iran-Contra where cocaine was used to uh, support an operation that the Congress wouldn't uh, validate. Once the CIA, so that's the kind of CIA stuff, once the CIA was replaced with the NSA, which gets a blank check, CIA stuff has to be uh, allocated money on a item-by-item item basis, if I'm not mistaken, but the NSA kind of gets a blank check. If you're switching out the power base of the intelligence community to the NSA, maybe you don't need as much. I don't know. But I think that's Brad was saying that this money, um, or he's saying money for terrorism. So he's talking probably talking about the Afghanistan. 90% of, Af- of the opium in the world comes from Afghanistan. I think it was down to like close to zero when the Taliban was running it. And then when we invaded Afghanistan, it just skyrocketed again. So he's got a good point. We could just another opportunity to not do anything and reduce terrorism, do less and be safer. But but there's the thing about here's here's what the drug war. I'm, I'm not in the favor of the drug war. I don't think the drugs should be criminalized. But when you have a welfare state where people, half the people are in food stamps uh, or get some kind of government uh, largesse, if if you have none of that, if you don't have a safety net like that, a guaranteed safety net, if your safety net is your community or your church or your family, people who are like, you're a druggie. I'm not giving you money because that's bad for you. I mean, that's how we did it in our house. Uh, if what you... If the government is there giving you all that, that creates a moral hazard. It creates actually a much greater potential for drug abuse. So why are they doing it? Why was, uh, when I dug into the the legalized pot movement, I found George Soros was funding uh, a bit of it, put some millions of dollars into it. What if the real goal there is to get people high, dumb down the population? If you read the report from Iron Mountain, uh, if you haven't, go to my website and look at it. It was supposedly, and I believe it, a leaked government document that talked about warehousing uh, undesirables, uh, creating a euphemized form of slavery to get people out of the workforce, to get them just kind of out of society. Uh, he talked about the to create an internal threat to the middle class so that even if there isn't a risk of real war, the middle class would still look to government to help them because there's this weird hostile group of druggies they don't understand. 
So if your goal is to create a drugged out society of people whose vote you can manipulate or silence, whose contribution you can neutralize by just inebriating them, why wouldn't you want a combination of legal drugs and welfare? It, it, it plays right into the hands of those who do not respect our right to govern ourselves, don't respect our the nobility of man, don't respect us as human beings. I'm not for the legalization, the criminalization of drugs. I think people are, should engage in their own uh, decisions. But I recognize this can be used to ill because the state has a policy of welfare and other things that create a moral hazard. So I think you have to erase that thing, too. You have to get rid of the welfare. That would solve a lot of the problems. And it's not because I'm not compassionate. I just, I am compassionate. (laughs) That's what it is. Anyway, there I went. I went on too long. I'm going to go to David and Marietta. Hi, David. You're on with Monica. Oh, hi, Monica. Uh, Great show. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, uh, Yeah, this came, hit me like a ton of bricks, the subject, uh, because just recently, over probably the last 10 days, they... uh, I keep hearing career prosecutor, career investigator, you know, and these are referring to uh, federal employees who are going to be responsible for uh, determining whether Hillary Hillary Clinton gets indicted. So uh, I think career being the uh, operative word, they're trying to get these people to worry about their careers. Oh, that's very interesting. And I'll tell you, there's there's a twist in there, David. Maybe you can help me suss it out. But I read, and I haven't heard any commentary on this, but there's a private organization called Judicial Watch. It's basically a website that has that submits Freedom of Information Act, stuff like that, that was granted the power uh, by a judge to depose government workers, State Department workers, to con- c- conduct its own investigation into email gate, which to me is so bizarre. I can't figure it out. It's such a strange, strange thing. Uh, you know, like there's so much weird stuff around this email gate investigation that I, and, and this weird story of Bill Clinton meeting Loretta Lynch on a, on a runway somewhere. You know, like there's just so, it's so much weirdness. And I can't help but think maybe it's a big distraction. Well, Judicial Watch is uh, Tom Fitton, and uh, he, he heads that, and I, I get their uh, emails. I uh, actually went to grammar school with Tom Fitton. He was in my class in St. Anthony's, and I emailed him to say hello, but <laughs> I guess he didn't get it. <laughs> anyway, so, hello, Tom. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I, I kind of uh, admire that organization because they brought uh, a lot of this corruption uh, to light, you know, stuff we may never uh, have heard about uh, you know, the, the Benghazi corruption. I know, but it's just so weird that they they have an inside track like that. Like, where is that coming from? Is it to get, maybe it's to get these guys off the hook. Maybe it's well, so, they don't, maybe it's totally legitimate. And maybe the judge was like, okay, these career investigators who are inside the very government that we're trying to investigate cannot be trusted. I mean, I guess that, is, that would be the, the thinking. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, they use FOIA, the Freedom of uh, Information yes. Act, uh, to, uh, to, you know, scrounge around. and. and but they're actually calls. getting to interview whom Abaddon and stuff like That's what some of the stuff is coming out. It's from Judicial Watch deposing people instead of it just being strictly a criminal investigation. It's it's strange. Well, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it, it, if we could trust uh, our federal government, then maybe uh, it would be fine to leave it to them. But... Uh, I kind of like having an independent uh, set of eyes uh, and ears on on all of this, uh, especially the corruption that's uh, 
gone on the past several years. Uh, um, and, and I think that was the uh, the original intent is to. Uh, you know, for citizens to be involved. And, uh, yeah, you know, actually, maybe I should look at it as a good thing to say, you know, instead of smelling a rat, I always smell a rat, that maybe it is a, a chink in the armor. That would be great. Got to take a break. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. High today of 95, tomorrow's high is 96. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate. Heating and air. And I, uh, we were talking about the power of language, the power of the media to just manipulate language. And one of the things I had noticed all week long, or I should say maybe for the past month or so, that the media for, I've written about this at length. I started, the first article I wrote about this was last June or July. I said, why does the the media give Trump 100% coverage all the time? I remember Ron Paul, and if the media actually didn't like you, like they claim about Trump, they just ignore you. So it did not, it didn't make sense to me. And I figured, I thought at the time, uh, maybe that Jeb Bush would say, hey man, you really want Trump? Take me. You know, I thought it was going to be like that. Now I think it's probably really a setup for Hillary, like uh, somebody even more polarizing than Hillary would be Donald Trump. And I think that's probably the right interpretation. And I'm, and I'm just reading the signs I see from the media. So when I wrote this article originally, I had just as an experiment, went to Fox.com and CNN.com and took s- screenshots of what that that the just the opening page for those at that moment on that day and the fox one was a picture of donald trump and a picture of ronald reagan next to each other so then the other day uh i think it was one day this week i opened the wall street journal and there's it's almost identical layout it's a picture of donald trump and a picture of barry goldwater so people aren't going to, young people probably aren't going to remember this. Ronald Reagan is the hero of conservatism. He rejuvenated conservatism. It, it seemed dead. And he came back and he was the Republican hero. Uh, the opposite was true for Barry Goldwater. He ran against, L, ran against LBJ in 1964. And he is famous for having lost spectacularly. And he was on PC and every other thing. And I just thought, wow, you don't even have to read the words. And the media is putting into your mind when it wanted Trump to win the primary as probably the least desirable Republican candidate they could think of, that they put him next to Ronald Reagan. Oh, he's great. And now he's Barry Goldwater. Very, very tricky. Oh, we're going to talk more about Edward Bernays after the break. Uh, You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show, and I'll be right back. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I am also on this Monday, the 4th of July, from 5 to 7 to give you a hardcore libertarian perspective on the 4th, on the founding of this country, on what the founders would think if they time traveled to today and had a look around. Would they be wowed by televisions and uh 
frozen yogurts or would they be like, what the heck is wrong with you people accepting the yoke of slavery like this? I mean, this is not what we had in mind. So I'm going to give you my take and uh, it should be a lively discussion. We have, we are winding up a lively discussion in the home stretch of the show today. I had a call earlier from a gal named Shelly who touched on quite a few interesting things, but two of the things that she picked up on were the use of language by the media and also the way the media can is so insidious, I think the word would be, that it actually controls what you think of as your look, your trends, your style. I think she might have used the example of bell bottoms. And I was talking about how when I you can just see the change in how Trump has been approached, portrayed in the media from when he got a complete pass during the primaries, which I thought was an absolute setup. The GOP was not vetting him. Fox acted like they hated him, but gave him 20, 24-7 coverage. So that's obviously... Uh, not a, not uh, any, any, it's in his book, The Art of the Deal. Any PR is good PR. Everybody knows that. And now they're talking about, they're uh, showing him side by side with Barry Goldwater. They're talking about he, his own speeches. He started a speech saying America first, which sounds good, except for that language, the, that expression has been demonized over the years to, I think I have a quote here, It's uh, it was associated with unvarnished anti-Semitism and praise for the economic policies of Adolf Hitler. It's true, America First was against going into World War II and as a consequence was associated with Nazis and he leads his only pre-written speech with the phrase America First. This is the power of language he is, I think he's playing into it, but the media, regardless, even if he's your hero, you have to see, I, I, I think you must have observed that the tone has truly changed since he was running against other Republicans. Now that he's running against Hillary, it seems to me it's more obvious that the fix is in. But I'd gotten a, a couple of tweets from Johnny talking about Edward Bernays, the father of this propaganda, the father of PR. Hi, Johnny, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Yeah, Edward Bernays was, he, what he would do, with, just an example of what he did with, with language a lot, was the, the word propaganda didn't always have such a, a negative tone to it. But because during World War One, the Americans and the British were so good at propaganda and the Germans were so bad at propaganda, one of the things that they did was they demonized the word propaganda by saying that's, that's evil German propaganda. That's evil German propaganda. And they just drilled that home to the point when the, world, when the war was over that the word propaganda just had a, a really a negative feel to it. You're so talking about World War One. Yes. World right, war so not Nazis, not Hitler, just the no. Kaiser versus the king. Right, yeah. And, and so... But by the time the war was over, people, you know, you couldn't use the word propaganda. So what they did was, is Bernays kind of led the push to to change the term or, or propaganda or use, uh, come up with another term, and that term was public relations. And, and so, you know, and anytime he refers to public relations council or, or public relations, he's talking about propaganda. He uses the terms interchangeably, but 
he, he just he basically just wiped that term out because it had a negative tone, and he created a new one so that he could create a new feel and a new attitude towards it. And that's the same thing they do in the media all the time. Anytime you see a talking point or anytime you see a, a term that just gets drilled in over and over, you know, social justice warrior or um, just any term that has any kind of flexibility that, that people can take and they can drill a, a, a meaning or an attitude home with it. And what they're doing is they're creating triggers. They're well, creating that particular, triggers. I have to stop you with the social justice one. That particular one makes me insane. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm a hardcore libertarian, Ron Paul, all about liberty. But if you really listen to Ron Paul and you go back and you hear his speeches and you hear what he says, you will discover that his number one driving motivation is the thirst. He hungers and thirsts for justice sake. He cares about justice. So even in his closing speech in Congress, he said, I have concluded after all these years that the best way to give the most people something to the effect of peace and prosperity is to give them liberty. But really, that's why he's anti-war, anti-wars of aggression. That's why he talked about the tenets of a just war. He cared about justice and the and the way this language has been morphed, what you're talking about is somehow changing the meaning of the word justice to mean equality. Am I wrong? Can we talk substance for a second? Right, yeah, no, they hijack the word. And the the word has, that. that's the challenge of it. That's the tricky language uh, aspect of propaganda is they, they, one side gets a word and the elites hijack it and they, they kind of implant it in the groups they want to use it and they just use it for another meaning. In reality, as people are fighting about things, but they have no idea that they have two completely different definitions of it. Well, that's why I hate the the way they've done that with the word capitalism, and I won't let it go. People say, don't, don't, just don't use it. You use a different word, free markets. And I would, but I, I'm sick of giving up words. It just, it makes it impossible to express yourself. You know what it really makes it impossible to do? It makes it impossible to draw on history. So a history of capitalism in the 19th century in the U.S., I'm not talking about the guys who, like Rockefeller, who actually hijacked the government to his own purposes. That's not capitalism. That's cronyism or whatever. But right. real, honest-to-goodness capitalism is the source of all surplus wealth in the world, of all leisure. It's the origin of the the free time we have to think about science and technology and to have division of labor and all that stuff. I don't want to give up on that word, but it feels like they've hijacked that, too. Yeah, that's what they do. Any word that has any amount of influence um, or any symbol that has any amount of influence, it gets hijacked by by people who, who, who can use it, uh, the elite. It's the same thing with, with people that have a mass influence. They're always... They're always they're always vulnerable to having somebody kind of infiltrate to try and manipulate them in some way. Um, but they hijack these words and they hijack, hijack these terms and they use them whether they want to uh, attach them to another social cause or whether they want to uh, demonize them. Um, they, they, they kind of yes and any, any term that's out there and say, okay, this is the term that, that evokes emotion right now and that is recognized and that people instantly feel something when they hear it and then they take it and they just they redefine it and they use it however they want and i I feel like there it's it's not just in redefining words i think what i've noticed this week what i opened the show with what i was talking about is all these articles in the wall street journal framing really it, it was like phase two i think of the rollout that they were framing 
the Brexit and the Trump movement as this emotionalism, as uh, as a, a throwback feeling that is understandable, but it's short-sighted and they'll regret it. But the week before that, the they had set the tone of the Brexit, just like they set the tone with Trump, not of having legitimate concerns about whether, like in England, for example, they have real concerns about whether their health system, which they have problems with at socialized medicine, can absorb this influx of immigrants that they actually have a problem. They can't get to, they can't get a, an appointment with the doctor. And this is being represented. I mean, the quote of, of the CNN chick that I saw in the journal today, uh, this week about, uh, you know, they just paint these people as absolute racists. And her, yeah, this was her, this was, yeah, xenophobes. She said, uh, I think I read this right, xenophobic, anti-immigrant, very populist, nationalist, white identity politics. I actually just got an email from a guy in England who said he was just sitting in the car waiting for his wife in the store and heard my show. And he sent me an email saying, we're totally not racist. We just couldn't get doctor's appointments. Right, but, right. You know, they shape these things as they take these super loaded terms and they fix them on the movement to discredit the legitimate concerns. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they do. I, speaking of what you just said, I, I saw an article that said, like, rash of xenophobic crimes already breaking out in, in the UK. I'm like, really? Or <laughs> yeah. the same crimes happening and they're just now calling them xenophobic? I saw that too. It was like 57% rise in hate crimes. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Why? <laughs> they're just giving it the name of xenophobia. It's, it's, it's their hijacking, their manipulation. And it's the opposite anyway, because didn't the supposed xenophobes win? They were the leave people. So why are they mad? Yeah, I, I think Brexit is, is a big is a big scam. Personally, I think it's a it's a trick. I think they're using the UK as an example. I think they're going to show you a long long string of news stories over the next month. Over the next few months, it's going to show uh, despair, people losing jobs, increasing crime rate, and I think they're going to use that as an example of of why sovereignty is bad and why global government is good. Uh, I think that's. Right. And uh, I also believe that they they misrepresent what globalism is. So they're they're acting as if sovereignty is is a barrier to free trade, to free movement of people. Right. And and actually it's. What's ha- what actually happens is this world government, the global government, we were, I was just getting this stuff, uh, people were emailing me about the International Property Maintenance Code from that's apparently been adopted in Johns Creek. It's, even my husband texted me, said, oh yeah, it, they had that, our friend in Switzerland had that. Remember they made him pull up all his, all his bushes because they were like a few inches too close to the road. It's not freedom that this globalization brings. It sounds like it. It sounds like this open society, another misnomer. But in reality, it's a it's it's just more uh, more restrictions on your freedom. And it, it there's no way that your own culture, your own neighborhood, where you guys like your shrubs, is something that somebody five thousand miles away can right. you know can improve. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and can I read you a quote from uh, Bernays' book? All right, I'm running out of time, so 30 okay. seconds. Go. All right. 
pugnacity with its attendant emotion of anger is a human constant. The Public Relations Council propagandist uses this continually in constructing all kinds of events that will call it into play. Because of it, too, he is often forced to enact combats and create issues. He stages battles against evils which the antagonist is personified for the public. So the whole point, yes, it's conflict. It's what more was it Maurice who was calling earlier talked about the dialectic where they create yeah, exactly. yeah, it's the it's the thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and uh, and and if they, if that doesn't they act like it emerges organically, but in reality it is quite often generated on purpose. I mean, this is him talking how you know, how long, ever long ago he wrote that. Thank you so much for the call, Johnny. Very, very interesting stuff. I, I'm fascinated by Bernays and everything that's he tells us about what they're going to do, and then they did it. Uh, I have time for one more call after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up here. It's 93 outside the studio. Hi, Tomorrow is 96. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. We are wrapping it up. We had quite a long and diverse discussion. I got a tweet from uh, JQ saying, what are the other parallels you noticed between Brexit and Trump? Uh, Your show digressed so many topics to discuss i think he means that in a good way i know he's a big fan but yes it's true i had a long list of of parallels that i felt that was being not necessarily real but that were being developed by the news to explain the parallels between trump and the brexit including this idea of populism where people feel like they're economic victims that they're left behind and instead of looking for a ron paul type revolution or a tea party type revolution american style taking back of government shrinking of government what this feeling is uh that the the people who are left behind want the government to step in and put them back at the front of the line and that i think is a subtle difference but but the real deal the the what the power elite are willing to accept in placating people as opposed to they're not going to give up the power they're not going to acquiesce to smaller government this idea that that not being able to deal with huge disruptions by big changes in population just numbers of people not even necessarily the fact that they're different culturally but i got a comment from a guy in england saying we just can't get the health system can't stay can't stand it and and it's not flexible it doesn't have money we can't deal with that that is being presented as isolationism pacifism xenophobia fear of the outside they're also both being uh, talked about as regression backwards looking emotionalism looking for a uh, charismatic solution an emotionally satisfying solution when really that's unsophisticated it's too late for that if you try to take the government back you'll be sorry because we really need technocrats at this point because it's just too darn complicated to be trusted to the people and uh, and all of that i think is meant to 
make the movement seem understandable but reckless and that we should back off while we still have a chance but i'm not going to back off i'm going to push forward i have a show monday five to seven i always continue this conversation online uh, at monica perez show is my twitter handle and you can check out my blog this podcast monica without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.